So yes, thank you, Cluid. As Cluid mentioned, I uh, could talk to you literally all day, but I won't. Um, just a few of the reflections I had um, during Dermot and Brian's um, talks was that um, what's very interesting is that this is kind of a, pardon the pun, a revolutionary way to look at sales. And one of the things I'd like to do is to kind of highlight that with some of the case studies, as Clue had mentioned, about um, what some of the clients that I've worked with. Um, but just in terms of what the guys introduced, um, one of the things that Dermot mentioned was the fact that uh, inbound was always about the attraction stage in, in the flywheel as we know it today. We became so good at optimizing for that stage that we, some of us might have forgotten a little bit about the other two stages, the engage and the light stage. Um, who in the room can remember a time when you had to fight for a digital marketing budget? Anyone go back that far? Good. So that's, that's where I started myself. I remember I got really into digital in the early days and had to fight for that budget. And now that budget has, has superseded. And I remember hearing from marketing managers in those days, um, you can't do what I do digitally. So I'll, I'll get into this in a bit, but I think that's happening in sales today. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit in terms of how I've worked with clients. Um, another thing that I, that I kind of wanted to reference was um, HubSpot have worked very hard to generate those inbound leads, 50,000 a month, you mentioned. Um, but that flywheel is all about that continuation through your sales process. One of the top articles, um, Cluid will know this, um, through SEO in HubSpot is how to make a GIF. So most of the traffic coming to HubSpot is for people trying to figure out how to make a GIF. Now, how many of those people convert to a HubSpot customer is the question. So there's a few things I'd like to cover today. I have literally got a book inside me, um, but I, I, I won't go into all of that. This is just to kind of keep me honest with you. Um, my name is Andrew, as Clue had mentioned. Uh, I'm the founder of uh, what we call a business growth consultancy that works with businesses to grow based on customer acquisition, engagement, and competitive advantage. Um, one of the things that um, I'm excited to share with you is that I think there's does anyone uh, know the story of Galileo? Galileo. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's familiar with the Galileo story, which is he caused a lot of trouble with just in how he presented new ideas to the establishment. And it's, it's my view that we're actually moving from the medieval times in terms of sales into a new way of looking at sales through what is the innocuous flywheel and how that looks to us today. Um, my background is that I work, uh, worked a lot in marketing, sales, storytelling, and digital marketing, and lots of other areas, and I'll share a bit about that with you. Um, but what I'd like to do particularly is to address some of the frustrations that I recognize in sales and marketing as we move into this um, very interesting period where sales and marketing and customer success teams all have to work together. And some of you may have beautiful organizations where all that flows perfectly. But a lot of the businesses that I've been working with do have a tendency to silo in those areas. Can anyone relate to that? Okay. So what I'd like to talk about today is how a sales flywheel can help grow your business predictably with inbound sales. Um, 
I'm not going to read that, but that's the synopsis that we, we looked at. But my goal really is to, is to equip you today to walk away with a framework that you can use in your own businesses that I use with my clients. So it's to share that framework with you. And if anyone has any questions about how that works, please just get in touch with me or talk to me afterwards and I'm happy to go through it. But I'll do my best to go through it today. So down to business, um, we just give me a sense again, who's, who here is a head of sales or has a responsibility for sales in their business? Okay, so quite a few of you, great. And in terms of uh, B2B or B2C, selling to other businesses, could you raise your hand if you sell to other businesses? Great, perfect. So most of you here sell to other businesses um, and I believe that's probably predominantly who HubSpot target with their platform as well. So nice synergy there. Um, organizations of company size, say up to 50 people, up to 100? Less so. Okay, so most of you up to about 50 people. Again, within the target market of HubSpot, it, uh, this platform is, is optimized for that size of an organization. It works really well. Anyone recognize these metrics? We kind of went through them with Brian. Uh, who works in sales specifically? Okay, so most of you will be familiar with marketing qualified leads or MQLs, number of opportunities, opportunity to close rates, and the lifetime value of your customer. Anybody, uh, anybody want to tell me the lifetime value of their customer? Anyone got a sense of it? Who, who knows what the average contract value of their customer is? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, so a proportion of you, but I'd love to see that becoming a higher number at the next hug meeting because I think that with a flywheel you can start to measure and attribute according to revenue and start to see those average contract values. So just some bit of background. Um, this is me in the middle here. Uh, this was in 1987 in Baghdad, Iraq, outside the gardens of Babylon. <laughs> um, I've had a very um, strange upbringing in that I've lived all over the world. I've lived in places like Iraq and I had a pretty big family. One of my brothers is actually missing from this picture because he wasn't even born yet. But uh, through this experience, I've started to see things from different perspectives. I suppose travel gives you those open perspectives to how to look at things, and that's served me well. I've got an honours degree in biochemistry from Uni University College Dublin, and I've also got a first in uh, my master's degree in computer science from Uni University College Dublin as well. I'm only mentioning that because uh, us Irish have a tendency to downplay our qualifications. So let's get that off the, off the table. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that as well as working with many businesses in, in terms of their business growth, um, I've also worked a lot with um, the arts and with <coughs> storytelling. And, and that's really helped me in digital marketing and sales. I, I made a lot of films, short films, and I started a film festival and actually worked um, on an interactive feature film with a, an Oscar-nominated director. So that was an experience that believe it or not, informs the flywheel, which I'll go into in a, in a little bit. And I've also lectured a lot, so that's why I love to, to teach. And I, I love to see people succeed with their businesses. I think that a business can be a creative enterprise, so it's, it's really good fun for me to see those people succeed, and maybe that's why I love teaching. So, as I say, I, I got into sales. Who knows why I got into sales? Th who chose to get into sales early on in their profession is now in sales? One person, <laughs> two. 
Um, so I ended up in sales, much like the rest of you. I, I started out in science or in the, uh, another discipline and ended up in sales. I took a bit of a tangent after science and, and got into digital marketing. I loved, it. I loved the idea of digital marketing. I loved the idea of being able to communicate so broadly before Facebook and YouTube. Um, and as they grew, I grew in, in my knowledge of this stuff. And it was so, it was so fascinating. And that's what got me into storytelling. But I suppose the foundation of it all is this scientific view. Um, and as I say, I think that the Galileo view of the universe, as ha ha that challenged uh, the way we see things, is really what's happening today in terms of our, sales, our, our view of sales. So the customer journey. We've heard a lot about the customer journey, and most of you will have some idea of what your customer journey is. Uh, do, do you have a, a, a customer journey map? Just give me a sense if, you, if you've got a customer journey map in your organization. Okay, so very, very few of you have that mapped out for everyone to see. And I think it's a very interesting um, point is that as you look at what traditionally is, is the funnel view. So if you can imagine, you first of all attract that customer to the top of your funnel, like a flower to a bee. And then that those bees start to be funneled through your organization. And they deal with different people along the way. So if you can imagine, one of the things Brian mentioned was that it can take five to ten calls to convert someone from an MQL to an SQL and beyond. But another statistic that's quite interesting is that it takes 18 touch points at the prospecting stage just to engage with that initial prospect. Now, someone who's spending that much time prospecting is not someone who's naturally predisposed to close, the, to close that deal and to deal with the kind of stuff Brian was talking about where you're qualifying people before you demo you're getting to know their business, you're asking them questions, you're finding out about their business and their challenges and their goals. So specialization is a very important part of looking at things from a flywheel perspective. In the future, what I'd like to see happening is that businesses operating a flywheel system are working in these kind of uh, symbiotic ways with other agencies, with other partners, with other people. Because as you see, businesses are starting to distribute the value that they provide to their customers through their organization, but also they're able to bring people in and out to serve customers in, in more efficient ways. So the, the flywheel actually lends itself to that model, and I'll, I'll go into a bit more about that in, in, in the rest of the presentation, but the future, I think, is built of the flywheel. And um, you know, I'm, I'm totally obsessed with this thing now because when it was first introduced by Brian Halligan last September in Inbound, you could see everybody kind of stroking their chins and going, We've been working with this funnel for the last 10 years and we've become really good at it. But how is this flywheel going to change things? I think it's kind of a, it's a, a very uh, sneaky way of introducing a new way to organize your business. And as, it, as we're seeing, it's starting to have the, the effect that it's supposed to have because it's a, it's a high impact change that businesses are seeing. So what I'd like to share with you today are just three secrets that I have observed that I think are very useful in your sales organization. The first thing is how to establish goals the team understands, even if they speak different languages. We were having a conversation last night and we were talking about marketing and sales. And I asked someone, uh, I asked Edwin actually, <coughs> what value do your marketing leads have to revenue? Can you, tra can you trace your marketing leads to revenue. And of course, he was able to say, yeah, absolutely. I know the value of the MQLs that I'm providing to my organization. My next question is, what about when you hand them to the sales team? 
because statistically only 48% of warm leads are followed up by sales teams in most businesses. So if you can imagine the investment people are putting in to getting those leads on the marketing side, if salespeople don't follow up, you're losing money. And that's partly because sales and marketing speak different languages. As I just mentioned, this, those sales metrics, my question is how many of your marketing people understand those same metrics? Do you use the same terms? Do you speak the same language? The second thing I'd like to talk about is how to build a relationship with your customer <coughs> without coming off like you've multiple personalities. So if you can imagine a customer moving through your sales process as, as Brian went through that sales process, what if it's not the same person all the way through? Once a new person starts to engage with that customer, they might sound like they've never spoken to you before. Bring that back into the marketing department. They're using yet another process to bring someone from the attract stage into the engage stage. They may be using different tone of voice, different language, different approach, different content. So again, you're going to look like a different person to the customer. The interesting thing about the customer point of view is that they don't care if you're in sales or marketing. Their point of view is they're just dealing with your business. So the way you deal with them needs to be in a unified way. And that's why this, the flywheel is really interesting from the point of view of uniting that point of view around the customer. And the third thing I wanted to talk about is just how exactly to use these ideas because a lot of the time um, these concepts get challenged with okay but I'm in sales I've got to make money so how does this relate to revenue how does this relate to customers to profit to, to those things that the people I work with those sales leaders and the CEOs of companies and, and possibly the board and the CFO what do they care about and how do you relate these efforts back to those revenue streams that sound good Okay, great. So, first of all, how to establish goals the team understands if they speak different languages. The first thing I, I always ask a new person dealing with this stuff is, if I was to throw a thousand leads at your sales organization tomorrow, but they had to be followed up within five minutes, how would you cope? And then if I threw another 10,000 leads at your organization, how would you cope? Would any of those leads get jammed up? Would any of them fall through the cracks? Would you lose any? And once you know the value of those leads, would you be concerned? So the first thing to do, I believe, is to solve this problem where leads get jammed up in your sales process. Somewhere along the way, leads are falling by the wayside or leads are falling through the cracks or leads aren't being followed up. Brian mentioned earlier that HubSpot follow up within five minutes. The reason for that is because there's research to indicate that a lead that's followed up within five minutes is a hundred times more likely to be warm when you speak to them. Which means for every five minutes afterwards, they're dropping off in interest. And an hour later, you might as well have never received the first touch. And research says that five minute follow up is the way to go. So the question is, how do you start to move your, your leads through your sales engine efficiently? So the first thing I would do in a sales system is to say, let's get one lead smoothly through your sales organization so that your sales system can confidently move a lead smoothly through the sales organization to close. And once you do that, you can turn up the volume and invest in marketing. 
Because if you think of marketing as investing in fuel for your sales engine, if you throw that fuel into an inefficient engine, you're burning fuel, you're burning money. So the first thing to do is to start to optimize that sales engine. Now, the view of sales on its own is no longer valid. There's lots of different departments in a company that will help you to align your business around the customer. And we're all familiar with that idea. But when I work with businesses and when we look at any business, they each have um, a lot of different departments working on a lot of different things. But the fundamental things, who do you sell to? What do you sell? Those are questions that have big assumptions behind them. Oftentimes, if you go around the business, not everybody knows. And this is one of the reasons those personas that HubSpot focus on so much are so important. Who do you sell to? The second thing is to figure out exactly what product you sell. Now, in the SaaS world, products morph. Configurations are different for every customer, HubSpot being the prime example. Clued buys HubSpot, it's going to be an entirely different configuration to yourself. Everyone is going to have a different configuration of HubSpot set up according to their business. So it's very difficult to say, you want to buy a watch as a salesperson. So defining those product types and defining what you sell and defining the value that, that is provided to the customer is extremely important at the sales enablement and messaging point of your sales process. Then we look at where, as in where you sell and how you, how you access that market. That's your marketing. And then why and when someone would buy from you is the job of the sales team. And all of these things need to flow together so that when the customer gets the value from your product, how that happens needs to be clearly defined. So let me ask you a question. Um, who likes warm word of mouth leads? Okay, great. Why do you like warm word of mouth leads? Ask yourself. Why do you like warm leads? They convert, right, right. So what is your strategy for getting more word of mouth leads? Do you have one? Pete has one. Strategic relationships. Incentives. Anything else? Testimonials. All of these strategies are to do with allowing a customer to feed back into your flywheel. So from the point of view of your organization, if your number one source of warm leads is going to be those customers who are at the top end, the 11 o'clock of your flywheel, you need to be sure that those strategies are in place across the organization. Everybody's feeding that. So the first thing you need to do is build a relationship with your customer so that you don't look like you have multiple personalities. Now, oftentimes in the, in the technology world, salespeople will say to me, uh, you can't automate what, what I do. There's no way you can automate sales. I'm a, I'm a people person. I want to talk to people. I understand people. I understand, how to understand what they need. And I say, I agree with you. But what is it that you're doing? As a salesperson, what is it that you do? Now, the technologists in the room would say, 
a lot of it can be automated through AI and big data and personalization. And there's a huge push for this. And HubSpot's an amazing platform for very simple personalization. For example, if, if I come to the website from Ireland, I might see an Irish landing page. If I come to the website from Australia, I might see an, an Australian landing page through the smart content it offers. So it's a brief glimpse of the future of personalization and the kind of uh, advances that are, are being made around how to contextualize a customer and serve them the right content according to where they are in their buyer journey. All very highfalutin and it can get very complicated. So again, how do we get back to what salespeople do today and how do we optimize for that and how do we give more value to the customer today? Well, the first thing we need to do is address this thing, the big elephant in the room, because who, who, who's in marketing again? Okay, so a lot, most of you are in marketing. So there is this kind of chasm that opens up between marketing and sales. And it's, it's a very obvious chasm, particularly in the larger organizations. If you're a smaller company with three, four founders doing most of the sales, it's kind of intuitive. You, you know how to transfer your marketing to your sales because you're the same guy. But in an organization that has marketing over here and sales over here and marketing are working to their metrics and they're using their SaaS tools and there's probably about 50 of them stacked upon each other and if they're really sophisticated, they're doing them really, really well and then out pops an MQL or an SQL. And then they get transferred into your sales CRM, whether it's Salesforce or Zoho or whatever you're using. And then the sales team have to bring those leads through their sales process, which marketing may not be aware of, and I, I saw a few of you ha do have your sales process documented, but I think it's essential that everyone understands the sales process. And I'll, I have a reason for that, but I'll, I'll go into it in a minute. But this chasm is where I think the most value is, because this is where an organization can really capitalize on what a customer expects. A customer is 57% of the way through the buyer journey when they come to you to buy something. They're more informed than they've ever been. So our advantage as salespeople to present information that they already have is gone. We, we used to sell on the basis of having more information. Now we don't have that anymore. So what can we do? This chasm is where we can transfer the knowledge that we understand about the customer into the salespeople so they can start to tailor solutions to the customer. Next, how to optimize your sales without breaking anything, slowing down, or hiring a used car salesman to run your sales team. <laughs> so this guy, um, you know, when I think of a salesperson, I, I have the same prejudice most people have. Daniel Pink, and I'll, I'll show you a slide from him in a minute, but Daniel Pink wrote a great book called um, To Sell is Human. And what he was saying was that everybody's selling all the time. You may not think it, but you're totally selling. Everyone's a storyteller. You may not think it, but you're telling stories all the time. I was walking through a doorway yesterday, and as the door opened, the lady said, right through this way, and the other lady said, I don't know if I told you, but my, f my husband died in March. What a story. I walked, I walked into the bathroom and I just went, wow, stories are everywhere. These storytelling uh, ideas and these ideas of how we relate to people, it's not the same as a used car salesman trying to sell you a car. And so the idea of being a salesperson is changing. And our view of salespeople, as we think of sales, has to change because it's no longer valid. Daniel Pink did a survey 
and he, sa he asked people, what do you think of when you think of sales? And people said, pushy, tough, sleazy, ugh, yuck. These, these terms that just describe the most disgusting profession. So why would anyone want to get into sales? The most trustworthy of professions are, can anyone, okay, before you see it, can anyone guess? <laughs> what's the most trusted profession? <laughs> it's uh, a firefighter or a doctor. The least trusted, and actually, ironically, my father's a doctor. <laughs> the least trusted is down here, 3% salesperson. So you can imagine what my father said when I said I was getting into sales. So the trustworthiness of salespeople in general is, tends to be very low in people's perception. So we've got to start to approach customers and prospects in more advanced ways and use the technology and use the advantage we have to provide value through the sales process. Now this is a very scientific one and I actually thought uh, while I wandered the hall here, we're in a very appropriate place for all of this because I noticed there's the uh, school of crystallography, which was the origin of the DNA view that we have today of how our bodies are composed and how genetics are composed. And I also noticed the school of psychological sciences is just around the corner. So our whole mindset is shifting here based on new psychology of, of how sales work. This is a graph to illustrate that. It's very, very scientific. And basically what it, what it relates to is just over time, what kind of salespeople are going to do the best for your business? And this varies up and down, up and down. People will say, I need lots and lots of novice salespeople. I'll bring them in, millennials who know how to use the phone, and they're on the phone all day long, and we just need a lot of those guys. And other guys, other, other uh, people will say, no, 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 what we need is the Alec Baldwin guy. Always be closing. The guy that comes in with the, with the pile of leads and says, you get these pile of leads if you do a good job, but otherwise you're fired. So there's this variation in how we see what salespeople need to be. And at the moment, this inbound seller is, is the one that's making the most deals. They're empathetic. They understand value. They see the whole organization and they can get right inside the business of the customer. These people are people who can look at both marketing and customer success as part of their own journey, as part of their own uh, career path. So they're not entirely focused on sales. And what they're most interested in are not the lead list from the always be closing guy. What they're interested in are warm leads and the information about them. So marketing's job is to provide that information to those salespeople so those salespeople can provide the most value to the customer. 39% of salespeople didn't intend to go into the sales profession. And I think, <laughs> actually, I think it was about 90% of the people here didn't intend to go into the sales profession. Another um, preconception is men and women in sales. Do you agree with the following statement? I intend to go into sales as a career choice. Most women in sales disagreed. So they did not intend to go into sales. But actually, women in sales tend to fare better than men in the modern sales systems that we see today. Um, Dan Tyre, <laughs> Dan Tyre, I don't know, a lot of you are agencies here. Who's met Dan Tyre? Great, yeah. 
So Dan Tyre is, is famous for his fist bump and his enthusiasm. And uh, I was recently uh, in with Dan Tyre in one of his um, training sessions a couple of weeks ago. And the guy is just infectious in terms of how he sees sales. He's 30 years in sales. He was one of the first people in HubSpot to actually be in this. He was the first person in HubSpot selling. He developed their entire sales team. And over the 30 years of his experience, he's saying that even in the last two years, sales has, ch has changed fundamentally. So the things that worked two years ago no longer work today. There's, there are things happening in sales because of the internet, and because of the information that's available, and because of the expectations of your customer that are fundamentally changing what customers expect from you in sales. And this is a great blog article that you want, you want to read um, about some of the things that I would in, uh, encounter quite a bit with new clients, where I would say, guys, you need to maybe think about stop selling by field sales. Stop sending people on planes every time you get a prospect. It's costing you a lot of money and the conversions aren't great. You need to stop cold calling. The conversions on cold calling are minuscule. The effort is not worth it. Now that's not to say, Brian was calling people how many times a day? Two hours every day? Forty or fifty calls a day. So who's he calling if he's not call cold calling? Who he's calling are warm prospects. He's researching, he's understanding. And that LinkedIn hack where you look at the person and say, you know, I know something about this person. It's going to open the door a little. I'm going to understand a little bit more about them because I'm there to help. I'm no longer there to close on the call. The performance factors that you need to implement to get all this going, because I know... <laughs> Some of you might be thinking, okay, well this all sounds great, but how do I actually do it? The answer is to start to look at different areas of your business and build a foundation for a sales system that actually works in the modern flywheel. So the first thing you need to look at is your structure, and I turn to HubSpot for structure. Most of the clients I worked with as a consultant over the last 20 years, and I worked with big companies and small companies. So I, I was a consultant for Google on their AdWords product. I was a consultant for IBM, Vodafone. I was also working with uh, sales methodology companies, um, one called uh, Taz or Altify, focused entirely on Salesforce and sales methodology on that side, and startups, so analytics companies, a company called Zootech, who I want to show you a case study about. And all of these companies use HubSpot. Before I was a HubSpot partner, they used HubSpot on the marketing side. What I want to show you later with a case study is that the sales platform is enormously powerful and can be applied to an enterprise situation. HubSpot can be the restructure, but whatever you choose, get one. Get a structure. Get a CRM. The second thing is you need a process, and everyone needs to understand that process. Next, a strategy. So a word-of-mouth strategy is a good place to start. How are you going to make sure a customer moves all the way through your sales process so they come back wanting more. And also, they're going to tell your friends. Tell their friends and your friends how great you are. <laughs> and finally, your sales team. Hiring the right people. Understanding who to hire. Understanding, well, what questions do you ask in an interview? All of this relates to your flywheel and the new modern sales organization. Much more colorful. Same concept here. Provide a sales framework. Use an inbound sales methodology where you target and prospect to warm prospects. People who put up their hands, 
and say, I'm an active lead. Yes, I would like to talk to you because I understand what you provide. And marketing has done a very good job at that point of explaining clearly what it is that you provide. So that if they move through your sales funnel, they're less likely to walk away at the last minute because they know what you provide and they know they want it. The next thing is your team effectiveness, getting those metrics in place, understanding what metrics to follow through a flywheel. And finally, the five levers, which I'll get into in a second, which is just a, it's a handy model for new business that you can use to track and measure as people move through your flywheel. So, <laughs> this is the mind blower, okay? So, in modern business is about circles and not triangles. I'll go home. <laughs> this is the funnel. This is the flywheel. So you can imagine modern businesses are about collaboration, about movement, about applying the right force to your, your flywheel so it continues to move, reducing friction. Older businesses were about closing the walls, keeping everything inside, don't tell anybody what you're doing, and pop out, promote, attract customers back in here. I don't want to name names, but I could probably come up with a couple of companies that operate this way. I will after if you ask me. <laughs> so the circles and not triangles thing is a really good way to think about things when you're in a workshop, for example. So last week I ran a workshop with the executive team of one of my clients and there were multiple arguments about where to focus the efforts around enablement content. And the question is, well, where are you in the circle? What time is it? Our marketing people were saying, we need more marketing content. We need more ebooks. We need more videos. We need to explain what the products do. What the sales guys were saying was, no, 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 no. I need pricing sheets. I need data sheets. I need something to give the customer when they're just about to buy. Both are valid. But in a circular model, you just have to say, well, what time is it? Where are they in the journey? What's the priority? Where do we focus our efforts? So, just to break it down even further, the idea of being able to buy something is as old as the hills, trading. So, given that it's HubSpot, sell me an orange. Traditionally, what I would do is, in my sales organization, which is on the left, so that kind of triangular hierarchical structure, where, say, the head of sales puts in place a few account executives, and then there's a few prospectors, and they're reaching out to these customers saying, come, we have oranges. They're very nice oranges. Please come to our shop and buy the oranges. The orange is inside the shop and I'm walking by to buy it. And then my amazing graphical slide shows that the orange is then sold to the customer. We're all familiar with this. Now, what the flywheel does is it starts to change things. It starts to unify that customer journey. So there's value at every step. So that scenario where I was like, come, come into my shop, there's value there. When they're outside the shop, there's value there. So they get a little bit of the orange the whole way through. So when do they actually get the orange? Well, they don't actually get the orange because <laughs> first of all, you have to squeeze the orange, squeeze all the value out of that orange into juice. And then add the juice to the flywheel. And remember, the flywheel is in motion, it's spinning. This is the science. So it's spinning. What happens if you're in the middle of a spinning wheel? 
Anyone? You get dizzy. Has anyone been at the playground? Centrifugal, centrifugal force. Exactly. You get that push out to the edges. And as the more it spins, the more distributed the value gets. Until all the value is distributed all the way through the organization. You like it? <laughs> so the, all the value is distributed through the flywheel, which means fundamentally your salespeople who are closing the sale are no longer the ones handing over the orange. Value is mutual. So whereas the sales guys used to get the huge commissions because they were getting all the revenue because they're handing over the orange, now, as HubSpot has done, these guys might be handing over more value in customer success. Or these guys might be handing over an equal amount of value in marketing. So now you've got to think about how to organize your company around the value delivered to the, to the customer. And the second thing you've got to do is figure out how to compensate, incentivize, and reward your people. And organize them around this model. And this is why I think it's changing the view of business as it is today. The same way Galileo did when he started to look at how the earth revolved around the sun. So this is where I'm going to differ slightly with how HubSpot views the world. Because HubSpot's still in the medi medieval times as well. What's happening is HubSpot are calling that orange thing in the middle the customer. That's not the customer. That's the data that you're gathering about the customer. The customer is up here. You can imagine a little circle here. I wish I'd drawn it, but I didn't. So imagine there's a circle here, and that circle is moving around your organization to close and come back for more. Familiar? In the olden times, that would have been the sun rotating around the earth. But now, we're changing our mindset. So now what we're going to do is, we're going to say that the company orbits around your customer. So change your perspective. The little planet that we were seeing before revolving around your organization is actually the center of gravity for your company. Your company, your flywheel, is rotating around the customer. Leave that one with you. <laughs> Let's get back to the really specific areas of what we can do to actually capitalize on this point of view. So the first thing we want to do is map the flywheel to your sales organization. And again, this is a really interesting way to look at things because when you start to specialize your sales teams in terms of prospecting and closing, what you're doing is you're, it's, it's like people at dual purposes. If they're trying to close and qualify at the same time as connecting and helping, you've got someone who just jams up in the middle of the call. We've all been there. You're having a nice chat with someone, they're helping you out, and then you're like, you want to buy something? And it just doesn't feel right. There's a jam. But what you can do is you can start to just equip your prospectors to prospect and your closers to close. Different disciplines for different activities. As long as everyone's aligned 
you can start to do it in the way that HubSpot has, where you're starting to qualify people so that you're not spending all day doing demos. You're understanding the business and you're specializing according to active lead generation, qualification, conversion, opportunity management, and customer success. So this is where your active leads come from, the top layer. So this is where marketing did their inbound marketing and bring leads in. And your sales prospectors are doing outbound marketing and bringing leads in. They're working to the same KPIs and there's a lot of leads coming in. The next part, qualification. Identify, explore and qualify or identify, connect, advise. I identify, connect, explore and advise. Whatever methodology you're using, this is where we start to look at the BANT and all that kind of stuff to see what kind of timelines they have, what kind of budgets they have. Are they really ready to commit? Or should you just kick them down the road and say, come back to me in three to six months? When we move down into conversion, this is only then, and I was, I was saying to Brian earlier, that, that idea that you just don't spend time demoing to everybody is really important if you're growing and scaling your business. And this is where on, online presentations and in-person presentations to qualified prospects will increase your capacity to grow your business. Because qualification out is almost as important as qualification in, as the guys mentioned. Following up, where do you focus your efforts? These are the five levers I wanted to get into, and this is just a model, but it works. When I walk into a new business, any of you guys in marketing or anyone working in this area will see a, a, new, a new person wants to grow their business, and the first thing they're going to say is, what do you want out of this engagement? And the first thing they'll say is, I want more customers. And then they'll say, I want more revenue. And then they'll say, I want more profit. The thing that I kind of find hard to admit sometimes is I don't have any direct influence on those, on those three things. I can't hold a gun to someone's head and say, you have to be a customer of this, of this business. So what do I have a direct influence over? Break it down into five. The first thing I have direct influence over are active leads. So these are the people who put up their hand and go, yeah, I'm interested. And I can invest in marketing to get more active leads. And there's a bunch of other strategies I can use. All of you probably know more than I do about this, how to get more leads through inbound marketing. The proportion of people who convert to customers are go is going to be your win rate. So hmm, who knows their win rate? Does, someone, does anyone know their win rate? What's your win rate? Uh, 28%. 28%. Brilliant. Very accurate, actually, because the industry standard would be about 35%. Well, if you're lucky. So the win rate's going to be quite important because you can increase your win rate with strategies like better messaging, better sales enablement, because these are the people who get all the way down to the pricing stage, where they're starting to price and starting to commit, and they're not really sure, but they might commit to working with you. The only two reasons they might walk out the door are a competitor got them, or else they were under the wrong impression. They thought you were selling them something that you don't have. So the win rate's important, and there's strategies around that. Once you have the number of customers, the way you get revenue is you charge them the right price. So if I want 10 euros from one customer, I'm going to charge them 10 euros. If I want 100 euros and I've got 10 customers, I need to charge them each 10 euros. Price variations are things you can experiment with and in a scientific way change one variable of any of these levers at one time and you'll see the effect it has on customers' revenue and profit. 
And then finally, once you have your revenue, you can multiply your revenue by a percentage profitability. So this relates to how much it's costing you to deliver the product. How much uh, efficiency can you introduce to increase your profitability? And that percentage can be increased or decreased and give you a, dif a different profit. And finally, this is new business, but if you introduce repeat business as a coefficient into the, that second line, you'll start to see that repeat business gives you a bit more revenue. So for every customer you have, maybe two out of 10 add more revenue to your, to your business model. So that's very mathematical. Who liked that bit? Because I want to see, some people are analysts, some people are like more abstract. Who likes maths? Okay, so a few, <laughs> a few of you like that one. I'll move on. This is really good, if you like maths. Um, so this is just about the disproportionate effect it, it has if you start to just focus on one lever at a time. So any one of these levers, if you increase by 20%, it has a disproportionate effect on things like customers' revenue and profit. So in this, in this case, I've increased active leads, win rate, sales price, repeat business, and profit margin by 20% each but my customers have increased by 44%. My revenue has increased by 207% and my net profit has increased by 248%. This is how I blow people's minds because you kind of think, well, a 20% increase in active leads might not be unattainable. And just doing that alone, because a lot of this can be overwhelming, just focus and prioritize active leads. If everything else is benchmarked and moving smoothly in that sales engine, you will see an increase that's disproportionate in the other areas. So what is a sales flywheel for predictable sales? Apply these same metrics, these five levers, to your flywheel and measure them through the organization in a way that everybody's clued in on what you're achieving. In that way, people can all input into those levers. And in, in terms of initiatives, we're all realists. We all work in quarters or every year to, to establish and maintain our goals. I found this to be a great model for just aligning people in your sales organization. And when I say sales organization, I'm talking about the distributed sales organization throughout the entire business. If everyone's on the same page with what levers you're going to focus on, there's unified efforts to increase those metrics. So the flywheel is about Reducing friction and applying force. So again, it's that merry-go-round. Just give it a spin and see what kind of forces you can apply to get things moving. And, you know, with an engine, with a flywheel, you've got to make sure that it spins before you get going. One of the things I notice is, for example, working with a, a starter company rather than a grower company is that you first of all got to establish that if those leads do come through, your customer success team can deliver quick enough. So if everything gets jammed up, You've got friction, so you've just got to make sure everything spins first. The next thing you do is apply those forces, and that's where investment comes in. That's where you can start to apply that force through an agency or through your own team at the marketing side or at the sales side or at the customer success side. Um, I was speaking with Pete earlier. He was talking about PandaDoc, and PandaDoc is a great proposal system that allows you to work uh, in an integrated way with creating proposals, creating signed documents through the, the HubSpot platform. This is a perfect example I have of how Pete's smaller flywheel complements the spin of the bigger flywheels that he works with. He comes in, he can work with, with 
panda dock. That spins his business. His business spins another business. And it's all spinning and adding force to that flywheel. I love it. Okay. Um, so applying force. The guys went through some of the ways that HubSpot are doing this. They're not the only ones doing this. I'm sorry to say. Amazon have a flywheel. LinkedIn have a flywheel. Google have a flywheel. I've seen, <laughs> I won't go into the Google one. It looks like the London tube map. Um, ev every, every one of the bigger technology companies has a flywheel internally to motivate and distribute the organization. But you can look at the forces. So there's some, uh, Brian Halligan's article on um, the HubSpot blog is really good around this. Just exactly how to break this down. And Dermot has a lot of this in his slides where you can break down exactly what you can do in marketing to apply force, sales, and success. And the key here is that if I make a sale and there's clawback on my commission, if that sale doesn't stay, I'm going to make sure that I follow up on that customer after they've closed. I'm not just going to wash my hands and walk off and prospect more and close more deals and be completely isolated. Reducing friction. Find the sources of friction. So for example, um, one of the things HubSpot identified was that people wanted to try before they bought with, without talking to a salesperson. One of the great things about HubSpot, particularly the sales platform, is that you can use it for free today without paying any money and it's really good. So you can have the messaging, you can have your calendar app, the chat bot, um, you can get the email integration, I think, through the CRM. There's a bunch of tools there that you can just get for nothing that you can see value from straight away. One of the hardest things about getting salespeople to use a CRM is they couldn't be bothered. They don't like CRMs. They don't want to sit in a coffee uh, cafe for like three hours and entering data. What HubSpot does very cleverly is it just pulls it from the email that they're sending to the prospect. So the another thing about HubSpot is that it's, it's not the perfect engine. It, it's nowhere near perfect, but it's going to give that unified middle ground for an entire organization to do things like having a, having a calendar app that allows you to book a meeting by just clicking a button, having that kind of chatbot on your, on your website, having those things that people expect, your customer expects these things. Finally, just to talk about the flywheel in terms of the customer. So again, we're, we're reversing our point of view. The, the big source of gravity here is the customer. What motivates them? What are you doing for them in their journey, in their flywheel? They're moving through their own journey. And what I realized was, having worked in storytelling and having worked in film, filmmakers deal with this all the time. So Captain Marvel, who's seen Captain Marvel? Okay, a lot of you. So just take, take any of the Marvel movies. They're mythology movies. They're about a hero. Joseph Campbell, many years ago, read all the books that have ever been written. <laughs> he was a guy in the 60s. Who's heard of Joseph Campbell? The hero's, the hero's journey? Okay, esoteric stuff. Don't need to go into it, but I swear it makes sense in the flywheel. What he described was, all of the histor historical mythologies all had the same journey when it came to the hero. And the reason those stories are compelling, the reason Captain Marvel is one of the highest grossing films ever made, is because it follows this formula to the letter. Every person can relate to it because every person, when they have a challenge, when they want something to change, they exit the ordinary world 
and they go to a call to adventure. Call to adventure is when you're talking to the prospector for the first time. Do you want to change? Is there something you'd like to do? This journey is going to be painful. This journey is not going to be easy, but I'm going to be there for you the whole way through. The second thing that happens is you meet with your mentor. You meet with Yoda in the, in the jungle and you start to learn the, the forces of the Jedi. This is your account executives and your sales engineers helping that customer through the journey. You're going to be tested, especially when they bring out the price, especially if you're buying HubSpot platform, especially if you're thinking about price. But what they're there to do is to tell you, look, it's going to be worth it. There's a return of investment. If you're measuring metrics like these, you're going to see the value. The ordeal, the reward, seizing the sword. Okay, I'm going to go for it. And then coming back to the village, coming back to your friends and your family and saying, I just figured this out. My business is going to be a success. So generally speaking, Joseph Campbell was just saying, look, these things are universal. Trust me, I read all the books. You don't have to. These things are universal. If your organization is organized around a flywheel that complements the customer's journey, they're going to feel better. Just like if a hero was sad, it would rain. Just like if the princess was happy, the sun was shining. These things internally, your culture, your vision, all of these things are very important to customers on their own journeys. Back to ground. What solutions do you use to actually achieve these things? So when you're looking at these things, you need to look at HubSpot have broken them down into four areas, and I think these are all very relevant. The first thing is to look at CRM implementation, then sales enablement, sales and marketing alignment, and sales coaching. Generally, I wouldn't advise anyone to do two at once. It's very difficult to do two things at once, particularly in one business. There's no harm in optimizing your sales and marketing alignment first, or getting your CRM set up first, and then moving into the other areas. I would advise a, a very phased approach to these four areas. If you've got investment, if, you've, if you're working with a company that wants all of these things, definitely go ahead. But there's so much involved in actually going through these, which I want to kind of show you in a second. But there's so many, so many things that you have to think about when you're trying to do sales and marketing enablement or alignment. You really need to focus in on those things because they're real problems, particularly around that chasm. Mount Arbor, so just before I get into the case studies, I just wanted to kind of um, address one thing first of all. Uh, we have changed our name from Sales Hub Pro to Mount Arbor, only because when I was doing my own sales prospecting, I was saying, hello, this is Andrew from Subhub. I couldn't say it. So I've changed to Mount Arbor partly because it's easier to say, but also because what I noticed was that a lot of my clients are companies selling technology to less digitized industries. So McKinsey actually had a study where they looked at how digitized are industries like construction, healthcare, education, those types of industries. And what they noticed was these, these red gaps down here, these are industries that just have no digitization whatsoever. They're just terrible. Construction, for example, no digitization. They're still using paper and pens. So selling to those customers is actually very difficult because your fancy sales process, your fancy sales organization internally means nothing to that construction work and going, no, don't want to talk to you. Too busy. I don't use mobile phones, so I don't want an app. So how do you tailor your sales process to that very unusual customer? And I think the, the right way to do it is to look at that flywheel approach by understanding your customer's journey and then matching your flywheel 
to that customer journey. Andrew, I think we're yeah. going to run out of time. Oh, sorry, I could talk to you all day. Yeah, yeah. Running into the case study. Okay, will I get into um, this? I mean, this was incredibly yeah. useful and interesting stuff, but um, we are. Oh, yeah, sorry. I didn't see the time. To the, <laughs> I can see end. people leaving. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did, that's I did always, warn you. That's always a hint, <laughs> isn't it, when, when, when people stop, um, stop walking out. What I'd like to do, I mean, just thank you so much. That was incredibly <laughs> inspiring. <laughs>